Welcome to the Retirement Made Easy podcast, a show created to be your go-to source for straightforward retirement advice. Best of all, it is presented in a language that you can understand. Are you ready for some straight talk on retirement planning without all the fluff? Well, you found the right podcast. Here's your host, certified financial planner, Greg Gonzalez. Welcome to another episode of the Retirement Made Easy podcast. I'm Greg Gonzalez. Thanks for joining me today. We've been very, very busy at my firm, St. Louis Retirement Advisors. And in fact, I'm actually taking a paternity leave in April. We're expecting a little boy, so we're really, really excited about that. So for most of our review meetings with clients, current clients, we are moving them to either March or May. But Lord willing, we'll continue to have some podcasts to release in April, and hopefully we won't miss a beat. We've been recording a TV episodes, Retirement Made Easy TV episodes this year to get those knocked out before the little boy comes. And then we've also been doing some retirement masterclass workshops, kind of focused on retirement income planning, tax reduction strategies, and how we manage risk as far as our investment portfolio in retirement. There's a lot of ways to do it. And that's really, really one of the biggest risks we see is when you've got an investment portfolio that is going down and down and down due to current market conditions or whatever the case may be, maybe just some investments are not performing well and you're forced to sell those off to produce income to live on in retirement. Okay, you're selling them when they're undervalued and you're really watching your nest egg shrink in a hurry. So there's some other strategies that you can incorporate that will help you get through those rough patches because the market doesn't go up and up and up. The market goes up and down and up and down and all around. So we've been busy, but when you love what you do, busy is good. We've had some good questions lately from some podcast listeners that have gone to our website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. At the very bottom, you can submit your questions. It'll say, ask Greg a question. I get them. I reach back out to you. And then you're able to get the help that you're looking for. And what's really, really neat about this podcast is when I'm in meetings with prospective clients, either over Zoom or in person at my office, and it's clearly a mix because we've got clients in over 20 different states, I've lost count. So those are going to be Zoom meetings. And then the people that are close to St. Louis, Missouri that want to drive into the office, well, those people are in person. But we've been doing this podcast long enough. This is episode number 158. So there's 157 other episodes. And I can't tell you how many times I'll be in a meeting when somebody will ask me a question and I'll just think, oh gosh, I just talked about this. I just discussed this on my last podcast or maybe a couple episodes ago. And that's totally fine. I realize that not everybody has the time to listen to 158 episodes, especially with my voice that's not a professional voice. I'm kind of like the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. His name's Patrick Mahomes, and they give him grief because he kind of sounds like Kermit the Frog. Well, my voice is, I realize, not, again, it's not a professional radio voice at all, and I get that. I just hope that the information and hopefully some of the wisdom that I have to share on the podcast can be beneficial to the listeners, and that's why I continue to do it. So on this episode, I wanted to talk about social security planning. There is a little known strategy where you can request a lump sum from social security. 
So we'll talk about that. And it's not a strategy we use all the time or I recommend on a frequent basis. But I guess for the purpose of this podcast, I want to help listeners kind of understand how it works and when it might be applicable. And we've talked about on previous episodes that Social Security is quite underfunded at this point. In fact, the 2023 Social Security Trustees Report indicated that in 10 years, in 10 short years, by 2034, Social Security benefits if nothing is done, will have to be cut by a 20%. So Congress is going to have to kind of step up and say, okay, let's come up with a bipartisan agreement here on a long-term fix for Social Security. So we'll talk about one of the latest fixes that was just announced and something I personally don't agree with. You may love it. I think you'll find that really, really interesting. And then, of course, we've been getting a lot of listener questions. And sometimes they will get advice from another financial professional. And sometimes it's very, very bad advice. And then they come to me and they run the advice by me. And that's totally fine. I am happy to be a sounding board. And so three different questions were submitted saying, hey, my advisor or my financial person, whether it's a brother-in-law or somebody like that, is giving me this suggestion or advice. What say you? And I'm going to comment on all three of these questions. And so I think that'll be a lot of fun. I've never really done that before on this podcast. I'm going to keep it anonymous. I hope you can learn a few things from some of the questions that other people are asking. So that'll be the second half of today's show. If you're a new listener, check out my website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. Underneath the resources tab, you can download some of my free resources and downloads. They'll send them right to your email. I did have a couple listeners say they're not getting the email resources. So check your spam folder. My IT guy said that there are some recent changes to Gmail's spam folders. And so it's more restrictive. So certainly check that because we did test it and they are working. So retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. You can read about me a little bit there. Check out the resources, listen to previous episodes and submit your questions right there on the website. All right, let's jump into today's episode with Social Security. A lot of us know, and maybe this is news for you. If you're not aware, Social Security on SSA.gov will put out reports every year on how the Social Security Trust Fund is doing. And last year in 2023, the Social Security Trustees Report came out and said that Old Age Survivors and Disability Trust Fund is currently used to pay for a portion of current Social Security benefits will be depleted in about 10 years, which is 2034. So what that means is if, if Congress doesn't do anything by 2034, we will be faced with an automatic 20% cut in Social Security benefits. So that's not good news. And if you've been a listener of this podcast, I have been a proponent of fixing Social Security sooner rather than later. It's kind of like a situation with your home where you've got a serious repair, and the longer you wait to fix it, to fix the problem, the more expensive and the worse off things are going to get. I don't care if it's a leak in your roof, and then now you got mold problems and the water spreads, or maybe it's something with your foundation. The longer you wait to fix the problem, the bigger the problem could get. 
And it's the same thing with Social Security. What they're going to do is they're going to, this is my opinion, of course, they're probably going to patch together some bill to fix Social Security. They're going to throw a bunch of other things in with it that are not related to it, to Social Security at all. And then that will gather enough votes to pass this into law. And it's going to be an ill-constructed plan that's not well thought out. And a lot of people are going to pay dearly. And we have been talking about this for years and years and years. I've been not only just on this podcast for a couple of years that we've been doing it since 2020, but before that, I was doing social security seminars, which we still do occasionally as well, talking about the shortfall that is imminent if the social security system is not fixed and really nothing has been done. So there was a new proposal that was published just in January of this year by the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College and two economists, a conservative economist named Andrew Biggs and a more liberal economist, Alicia Munell, director of Center for Retirement Research. What they said was, well, what if we limited the amount of money that people could put in their pre-tax traditional 401k and traditional IRAs. So for example, if you're over 50 in 2024, you can put in pre-tax, so you get a tax deduction on this money on the way in, up to $30,500, including the catch-up. And I believe with a traditional IRA, it's up to about eight grand a year that you can, again, put in the traditional IRA and get that tax deduction. So what these two economists are saying is they don't believe that the fact that you're getting a tax deduction on the way in with funds that are contributed to the traditional 401k or traditional IRA, they don't think that that's going to impact how much money somebody's going to contribute or save for retirement. They don't think that tax savings impacts how much somebody would save for retirement. And therefore, they want to limit or do away with it. And they estimated, for example, that as far as federal income tax savings, it's $185 to $189 billion, again, in savings, in federal income tax savings by Americans contributing to a traditional 401k or traditional IRA. That's how much they saved in federal income taxes. 185 to 189 billion. And what these two people are saying is, well, if we stop people from being able to get that tax deduction on the traditional 401k or traditional IRA, gosh, there's 185 to 189 billion that the government could use that money, those taxes to then put into social security and bail the system out. And this proposal, by the way, is getting a lot of attention. And I get what they're trying to say is, hey, the fact that you there's a tax preference or tax advantage of the traditional IRA or traditional 401k, that doesn't impact how much somebody's going to save for retirement. In other words, the people that are going to save for retirement 10, 15% of their household income, whether they can deduct that on their taxes or not, that's not going to impact their decision whatsoever. They're going to continue to save and save and save because they know, hey, 30 years of retirement, I'm going to need a nice nest egg to be able to fund that lifestyle. And therefore, I'm going to need to save and save and save, whether that's 10 or 15% or whatever it happens to be. Now I get that. I understand what they're trying to say here. But what they're also doing 
is also limiting people's choices and ability to make decisions when it comes to which accounts they want to save in for retirement. I want to kind of change gears here a little bit, still stay with Social Security, but help answer some questions that I think people just are not familiar with when it comes to Social Security. And I had a new client that we're working with, and he's an electrician. He said, Greg, I'm not a financial planner. I'm not a retirement specialist. I'm an electrician. And he said, I'm not a professional investment manager. He said, I don't have a degree in taxes or accounting or financial management. I don't know everything about Social Security, and I don't want to, but I'm a darn good electrician. I've been an electrician for the last 35 years. And sometimes as a financial planner, I have to kind of remind myself that, yeah, people don't have the backgrounds in this kind of stuff in retirement planning like I do. They don't do it every day of the week. But I think the best thing I can do is kind of give examples and stories so people can understand concepts and how they might apply or help you. So one of the questions I get a lot, and this gentleman in particular, it was it applied to his situation. He had started his Social Security benefit, but he had changed his mind. He had got an inheritance. His financial situation had changed totally, and he wanted to then shut off his Social Security benefit, which would allow it to get deferral credits and grow and grow and grow, and then turn it back on down the road. So what we're talking about here is stopping your Social Security benefit versus suspending. And then I'm going to talk about retroactive benefits where you can request a lump sum. I'm going to get into that a little later. I know a lot of people out there kind of understand the basics when it comes to Social Security. For example, if you collect at 62, you're going to get a lot, lot less than if you wait until age 70, which is when your Social Security benefit will max out. And notice I said your Social Security benefit based on your earnings record, not your spousal benefit. The difference between claiming benefits as early as possible at age 62 and the maximum age of 70 is a whopping 76% increase in monthly Social Security benefits for your life. So this is a big decision. And a lot of people will say, gosh, what if I make the wrong decision? How do I turn back? So stopping your benefit, we'll talk about that first. Stopping your Social Security benefit Once you turn on your Social Security benefit, if you're under your full retirement age, you've got 12 months to stop it and basically pay it all back. And you would have to pay back any spousal benefits. And if there's children that were receiving a benefit, you'd have to pay back all that as well. And this is the gross amount. So please keep that in mind. And again, after 12 months, 12 month window after you start it under your full retirement age. Once you turn your full retirement age, you can then suspend your benefit at any time. You don't have to pay any back. You just suspend it. And then you will get what are called deferral credits for every month that you wait to turn it back on. Now, also, again, if you are on Medicare and you want to keep Medicare, there's this form. It's SSA 521. You need to let them know, hey, I want to stay on Medicare, but stop Social Security. So just something to be aware of. Lastly, let's talk about retroactive benefits for the people that say, gosh, I wish I would have claimed them earlier. Well, if you're past your full retirement age, let's say you were born in 1954, your full retirement age is 66 and now you find yourself 69 years old, you've got two choices. You can claim today at age 69, or you can go to Social Security and say, hey, I want the lump sum option, which means I want to go back six months in time 
to when I was 68 and six months and I want Social Security to cut me a check for those last six months and my monthly benefit amount would be as if I claimed six months ago. Because again, they're writing you a check for six months worth of benefits. Keep in mind, all that's going to be taxable in the year in which you receive it. And there were a couple clients that we actually suspended their benefits in 2022. Why did we do that? Well, for every month that they suspended their benefit, they're getting delayed credits. Plus, inflation was out of control that year. So we didn't know what it was going to be, but we knew it was going to be a big cost of living adjustment. And it ended up being, what, 8.7% in 2022, the cost of living for Social Security. So there are instances when it makes sense. It might make sense to either stop or suspend. Let's say you're 62 started your social security benefit, and then now within 12 months, you had a job opportunity and you were going to make $60,000. Well, you might want to stop your social security benefit because you're way above that income limit where they start clawing back some of your social security income due to your earnings. All right. So enough on social security. I hope that was helpful. If you do have follow-up questions, you know where to find me retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. Social security is one of those complex elements of retirement planning, and I find it can be very situational sometimes, especially when it gets down to survivor benefits and spousal benefits, and when there's maybe a age gap between spouses, what's the strategy there? But it is certainly critical to get right because social security is a pension with a cost of living adjustment meaning it tries to keep up with inflation. Doesn't do the best job, but it does have that inflation hedge. All right, let's jump into some questions. And some of these listeners from this podcast, Retirement Made Easy, have submitted. Also, we have a Retirement Made Easy TV program here in St. Louis. And we've had a couple of people submit questions, not as many as the podcast, but we've had some questions come from there as well. The first question, and I'm going to keep these anonymous, as I said I would, Because these are all going to be questions, hey, I got this advice from my advisor or this other person, my brother-in-law or whoever it might be. Do you agree with it? What say you? The first question, the gentleman was actually a retired pastor and he had a 403B through Guidestone was his provider for the 403B. And he had met with somebody from Edward Jones and then he had also talked to somebody from his church and they advised him to roll over his 403b into an IRA, and then he could start doing Roth conversions once inside of the traditional IRA. And this gentleman wanted to know if that made sense to me and if I thought that was good advice. So it's often difficult to give specific advice to people without knowing their full situation. But what I'm going to do here is point something out that should be obvious. And I'm kind of disappointed that these other folks didn't know about a rule with retired pastors. They have what's called a housing allowance that allows them to take withdrawals from their 403b tax-free. And this is one of the big perks for retired pastors is they can take a housing allowance, which are distributions from their pre-tax 403B. And as long as those funds are used for an annual housing allowance, well, those are treated as non-taxable. I mean, this is a huge benefit here. This is a benefit that you can literally take withdrawals from a 403B tax-free for the rest of your life as a retired pastor. 
And I cannot emphasize how big that is, but also you can do Roth conversions within the 403B through Guidestone. They have a Roth 403B. And you do not need earned income to do Roth conversions. I had a couple people this past week that thought that you needed earned income to do Roth conversions. And if somebody was retired, they wouldn't be able to do Roth conversions in retirement. And that's just not the case. You can absolutely do Roth conversions. And there's no limit on the amount you can do as far as Roth conversions. Now, any fiduciary financial planner like myself is going to tell you, hey, let's do Roth conversions in chunks so it doesn't throw you into the next tax bracket and you're giving Uncle Sam a tip because we want to be good stewards of our wealth. In doing so, we don't want to pay unnecessary taxes. So Roth conversions, they don't have to stop ever. I mean, you can do Roth conversions the rest of your life. Just keep in mind those RMDs, you can't do a Roth conversion and that counts as an RMD. And if you're not familiar with the acronym RMD, it's Required Minimum Distribution, meaning when you turn 73, and for some people it'll actually, for the younger people listening to this, it could even actually be age 75, that's the year in which you have, you're required to take distributions from your pre-tax IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, all those accounts, and pay taxes on that tax-deferred money because, again, Uncle Sam wants the tax revenues, right? And then the great thing about Roth IRAs or Roth 403bs or Roth 40, anything with Roth in it is there's no required distributions that you'll ever have to take unless it's an inherited Roth account. The next question was from a young lady that said she was 57 years old and she had some people from work that were telling her to roll over her 401k. Again, it's very similar to the last question, but this young lady is 57 years old and she said she was scared of doing that because then she would have the 10% penalty from her distributions from the IRA. She wanted to know what I thought made most sense for her. And I'm really, really glad she listened to this podcast and sent in her question because sometimes we get suggestions or recommendations from people. I really think they're trying to help, but they just don't know like the special clauses or circumstances or special rules behind some of the laws that we have as far as retirement planning or financial planning. And what I mean by that is there are so many different exceptions to the rule that I think a lot of people aren't aware of. It's sometimes not black or white. So her question, she's 57 years old. She's retiring from her company with a 401k. And that's kind of her retirement nest egg that she's going to need to live on in retirement. And it was recommended to her, hey, roll that 401k over to an IRA then you'll have control of it, but you'll have a 10% penalty until you hit age 59 and a half, then the 10% penalty goes away. Well, I've got good news for her. I would disagree with doing that, first of all. It's certainly an option. It's one of the many options she has. But if you retire from your company after the age of 55, you can leave the money in the 401k and you can take withdrawals from that 401k and the 10% early withdrawal penalty does not apply. And this is a special rule. This is something, again, you are welcome to fact check me. In this young lady's situation, I would tell her, leave the money in the 401k, and at least until you turn 59 and a half, and then that 10% penalty would 
not be on the table any longer. It didn't matter if she rolled it at that point to an IRA or left it in the 401k. There's no 10% early withdrawal penalty. The other thing that I'll say is there is another rule that applies to IRAs. It's called the 72T. And it's a way for the people that retire early before 59 and a half to take regular distributions from their IRA and avoid the 10% early withdrawal penalty. And you've got to be very, 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 very careful with this. If you're going to do a 72T, you've got to be very diligent and careful because the withdrawals have to be regular and equal for a certain amount of years, either five years or 59 and a half, whichever is longer. So you've got to be very careful with this. We've done this for a handful of clients And there's some special strategies that we've come up with that kind of protect you from making mistakes. So if you are going to entertain a 72T, make sure you know what you're doing. Because if you make a mistake, you have to pay all that 10% penalty on all those withdrawals retroactively, which can end up being a big, big costly mistake. So be careful with that. And the last question, I know this episode's been a little longer, so hopefully it's been enjoyable. But last question, this listener had mentioned that their father had some life insurance policies and was currently in assisted living and did not have the money to keep paying the premiums for this life insurance. They said, our financial guy, I'm assuming that's a financial planner, says to cash in the life insurance policies and that way we would not have to pay the premiums any longer. What do you think? The death benefits are over $300,000 on dad's life insurance. So for this listener, I actually emailed this person and they're on my calendar. We're going to do a phone meeting to kind of dive into more details. But one thing I would look at, and this is, I thought it was important. I pulled this question because I thought it was important for people to understand the nuances of life insurance policies and how they work. With some life insurance policies, a lot of them, there's what's called a disability waiver of premium. Well, what the heck does that mean? Disability waiver of premium. It means if you're in assisted living or you become disabled, you will no longer have to pay premiums into this life insurance policy and the death benefit stays intact. It doesn't go away. And a lot of these policies will have this disability waiver of premium on them. So what I'm going to tell this person in our phone meeting here in a couple of weeks is, hey, check out that life insurance policy to see if it has that. And if it does, then your dad's premiums would essentially stop and the death benefit would stay intact. So it's definitely worth checking into. And I think sometimes we just make these quick decisions without knowing all your options and talking through the different options that are out there. It doesn't have to be Option A, we keep paying the premiums for the life insurance. Option B, we cancel the policies. There's an option, a lot of times, an option C, D, E, and F. It's just we have to kind of discover those and see what makes most sense. I hope this episode has been fun. Hope it's been interesting. We have a lot more to come on the Retirement Made Easy podcast, so we'll see you next time. And remember, always dream big. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, please consult your attorney, tax advisor, 
or financial advisor prior to investing. This is a hypothetical example and is not representative of any specific investment. Your results may vary. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices mentioned are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. The SmartVestor program is a directory of investment professionals. Neither Dave Ramsey nor SmartVestor are affiliates of St. Louis Retirement Advisors or LPL Financial. There is no guarantee that a diversified portfolio will enhance overall returns or outperform a non-diversified portfolio. Diversification does not protect against market risk. All investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, Memra FINRA, SIPC. Thank you for listening to the show today. Check us out at our website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. And if you want some help from Greg, submit your questions at the bottom of the page or sign up for a 30-minute retirement coaching session with Greg. We'll see you next week.